Hi, this is Giovanni Dinsman, author of Mindful Self-Discipline, and you are listening to My Quest for the Best with Bill Ringel. Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringel here, host of My Quest for the Best, the podcast for ambitious small business leaders. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished experts who want to share their knowledge and experiences in order to help you be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating toward more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Giovanni Dinsman. Giovanni is the creator of Live and Dare, one of the most popular meditation blogs on the internet. As an international author, meditation coach, and speaker, Giovanni is experienced in helping people overcome anxiety and stress to live a more calm and centered life. He's the author of the best-selling book, Practical Meditation, which is available in eight different languages. His meditation programs have helped over 20,000 people start a daily meditation practice, improve their psychological well-being, and master their minds. Giovanni lives in Ariel Beach outside of Brisbane and is here to talk about his book, Mindful Self-Discipline, Living with Purpose and Achieving Your Goals in a World of Distractions. Welcome, Giovanni. Thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure to be here. Giovanni, it's great to be with you. Tell me, when you were growing up, who was someone who influenced or inspired you? Oh, there's been many different people. I was a big reader since I was 14, 15. So I would probably pick the Buddha. Reading the teachings of the Buddha and his way of seeing things deeply influenced my journey as a human being. Where were you living during this time? I was born and raised in south of Brazil in the city of Porto Alegre. There are heaps of books translated into Portuguese, so I found some of them. Was this a typical book to come across at the time? And did you have any friends who were also studying about Buddha and starting their meditation practice? I know it was not typical at all. I was the weirdo around practicing meditation in the time where meditation was not yet cool. It was not popular. Studying about these esoteric philosophies of the East, I was definitely an exception and I was not really understood or my hobbies were not encouraged or appreciated by friends or family, but they were scratching a very deep itch for me. They were touching something deep inside of me. So I was intrinsically motivated to explore them. Giovanni, what were the benefits that you got from exploring meditation? Because there must have been some payoff that made it worth it to pursue in light of the resistance and the loneliness of studying this without having friends to share it with. I think as a kid and as a teen, I was very restless. Perhaps you could say that it was a bit of an ADHD kid. And the first time that I tried meditation, I got to a place where it was very quiet and I was happy, peaceful and content in the present moment. That was a very new feeling for me. I felt this is special. There's something in there. For me, that was the beginning. I, I decided to meditate every day in my life once I had that experience. So there was the sense that there's something very precious here, something different, something that is very empowering. Share with me some more details about your career path from starting out in Brazil and coming to Australia and changing careers twice. I went and did law at university, five years, and then I passed the bar exam and I worked for the government in Brazil for five years. After that, I migrated to Australia and for other five years, I worked as a mobile app programmer. I mean, these two careers, they have nothing to do with meditation and self-discipline per se, but the skills that I developed through meditation and self-discipline allow me to grow very quickly in these careers allow me to get to a place of leadership in these two places. Just the productivity and the ability to focus where my colleagues are not as focused, that gave me an unfair advantage, I would say. But it was only after these 10 years that I decided to quit my job and take on teaching meditation and writing and coaching as a full-time thing. Tell me your perspective on how meditation has been helpful in pursuing the different careers you've had, other than just teaching meditation, but in law and in programming. When it comes to relationships, I've always found that people 
people can connect with me easily. They find that they can trust me. The calmness that comes from meditation, the sense of self-awareness and self-mastery, the focus that meditation gives you on personal development and developing virtues, etc. All of this invisibly speaks to the world around you. And people feel that, okay, this guy is someone that I can trust, that if he says he's going to do something, he's actually going to do it, that he's not exaggerating things, that he's being truthful and honest. So yes, I found that it has helped me in connecting with other people and forging relationships at work. And also in job interviews, once I, I got the feedback that there were many people interviewing for a job and I got the job. And then later when I was in and I asked some feedback, on how, how did I do in the interview? He said, strangely calm and confident. So much so that I started doubting myself. I felt nervous. The guy who was interviewing said, this confidence, this presence, this authenticity that meditation and these practices bring, it's like a superpower in different areas of your life. Let's set the table. Please describe for me the essence of self-discipline. Most people have some misconceptions about self-discipline. I like to spend some time clarifying this because self-discipline is not self-punishment. It is self-respect. It is you respecting the commitments you make to yourself. It is you prioritizing the things that are most important for you, not only in your mind, but actually in the way that you live your life, that you spend your time, that you dedicate your energy and your thought. So I define self-discipline as the art of living life in harmony with your highest goals and values. Whatever are your values, whatever are your goals in any area of life, in finances, career, relationships, personal growth, spirituality, whatever it is, you are not going to achieve them. It's going to take time and it's going to take effort. In this path towards achieving any goal, you will meet many obstacles. Could be external obstacles such as an environment that is not conducive, people presenting blockages on your way. It could be internal obstacles, the self-doubt that comes in, the lack of motivation that visits you from time to time, distractions, procrastination, excuses. And self-discipline is this action that allows you to go through all of these obstacles and stay on track until you achieve your goal. What's the difference between self-discipline and mindful self-discipline? There are two key skills or elements to self-discipline, awareness and willpower. Now, if you read most of the work on self-discipline out there, the approach is almost fully on willpower. I like to call this the military self-discipline. It's a more martial approach, it's more forceful. When you use willpower like that, it, it's as if you are pushing a boulder uphill. Now with mindful self-discipline, it is awareness first. First awareness and then willpower. When you grow in awareness, when you cultivate awareness, when you practice awareness first, then applying willpower feels more natural. It feels easier. It's like rolling a boulder downhill. So the key difference is that mindful self-discipline is more relying on awareness and then willpower. And most people find this more approachable, more sustainable. It takes less effort. It's easier practice. I have heard from many people who really needed self-discipline, but never connected to the topic of self-discipline and willpower before, that with this mindful approach, they feel like, huh, this makes sense for me. Sure, I have a coaching client. His name is Adam. And Adam is one of the owners of a big web development company. He is extremely busy. At the same time, he's very productive, but he needed help with organizing his routine better, making sure that he finds some life work balance. That's one of the elements of this mindful self-discipline as opposed self-discipline is that it needs to be balanced. You no know, work today so you can work tomorrow, not so that you don't burn out. He had a serious YouTube addiction that even though he was extremely busy, he was spending two to three hours a day on YouTube. He had tried everything to, to stop that and he couldn't. He would always come back to it. He had tried installing browser and plugins that kind of block YouTube and then he would go and uninstall it. In his case, it was YouTube. For other people, it could be other social medias, it could be games, it could be news, it could be many other forms of distraction and procrastination. So we've worked together and after a while, he was able to completely overcome this. He went on a 
YouTube fast for one week and that one week turned into one month and then two months, two months with zero YouTube. Then he came back with a completely different relationship. After a while now, when we talk about it, he says, now I just remember that it was a real issue now and now it's like completely non-existent. So he doesn't need to exercise forceful willpower now to not spend three hours a day on YouTube. He shifted internally. His relationship towards that tool shifted and what he needed that he was getting from that tool also shifted. And as that shift happening, he says, I don't know what's happening. Like I feel more present. I feel more content. I feel more calm when I am in meetings with clients, etc." I told him, I know exactly what's happening. You are more in control. You're not giving your power away like this anymore. This is different things for different people. In the case of this particular client, he was overwhelmed at work. It was like to-do list never ended. Silently, there was this sense of futility that doesn't matter how much he does. It's never going to end. He's, it's, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be on top of things. To escape that feeling, he would then go and numb out in front of YouTube. Now, for other people, it could be something different. It could be that they want to work on a side business project that they are passionate about. But whenever it's time to do that, they procrastinate. They spend their time on low value tasks. For other people, it could be that they are trying to run away from uh, a certain fear. Could be fear of rejection, could be fear of failure. This is the DNA of procrastination, that procrastination is avoiding. Whenever you're procrastinating in your life, stop for a moment and ask yourself, what pain am I running away from? How about the difference between awareness and willpower? The regular approach to self-discipline doesn't always deliver because you could use your willpower to stop stress eating, only to find yourself that you go into another addiction right after. Like you come out of one hole and you fall into another because the underlying issue, you're not even aware of it and you're not solving it. Now with meditation, the way out is the way through. You go through that pain, you go through that fear until that particular emotion or state that you're trying to run away from is no longer a problem. You don't need to run away from it. Then the need for the addictions itself falls down. You describe a very important concept in the book called decision fatigue. Can you share with me your perspective on decision fatigue? What is it and how does it manifest? Great question. Decision fatigue is the fact that every decision we make takes some willpower. It consumes some of our mental energy. So if we are making so many decisions every day, when we need our willpower, when we need our focus for something that, that truly requires that energy, it's often not available because we have spent it throughout the day. Giovanni, what are a few tips to conserve our daily decision energy then? Sure. We want to design a lifestyle that is simplified. Ex-President Obama used to always wear two different types of suits. So he doesn't need to make that decision. Some people say, I'm always going to have the same breakfast, so I don't need to make another decision. Another way that I helped clients diminish decision fatigue is by creating certain systems, certain templates in their business so that you don't need to think again and again about how to answer this particular email or what are the steps to get this podcast published or anything like that. When there are templates for everything and you're just following things through, there's less decision fatigue. Another thing, and this Perhaps the most important one is having a stable morning routine that you wake up always at the same time and then you do always the same things. These are the things that help you move forward in your life, that help you tick the most important goals. For some people, it's exercise and meditation. For others, it could be learning a new skill by reading a book or studying something. But if you always do the same things in the same way in your morning routine, then you don't need to make any decisions about it. There's no space for procrastination and, and skipping and excuses. Maybe not today. Maybe I'll do it later. No, it's always the same way. No decisions. You conserve your energy, you do what it needs to do. You have that available for when you need it later. I'm also a big believer in having a strong morning routine. I have water in the morning and then I'll do a little bit of a, a protein shake. I play with the dog, go for a walk and I, I plan out my day. And I find that the consistency of that, rather than depleting my energy, momentum builds confidence. When I come back, I have a very clear idea on what I'm going to be doing that day because I've taken these consistent steps and I haven't had to make decisions. I've just 
following the steps that I've already laid out for myself earlier. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How did you learn to overcome procrastination, distraction, and remain focused on your goals? Once I started practicing meditation, I was probably much more focused than the next person. But at the same time, in the advent of technology and smartphones and all of this, I found myself gravitating towards small tasks and interruptions that happen in the form of an email, a notification that pops up, etc. And and that forced me to rethink the way that I use my tools, the way that I use technology, the way that I work. Obviously, I also coach people in these topics. I I, I read a lot about it. I, I write on this. So this is my life in a way. I, I eat and, and breathe self-discipline. <laughs> and I to a higher level of the practice, now that you're teaching it, doesn't it? Absolutely. There's the saying that teaching is one of the best ways of learning. I'm not saying that people who don't really know should try to teach so that they can learn. That's not the point. But once you get to a certain level of knowledge and experience and you begin teaching it, that will force you to take it to the next level. I've definitely found that as I was writing the book, that my own self-discipline got to another level as a result of writing the book. You have a concept that you call never zero commitment. Tell me what that means. Oh, you're touching all the other uh, important key points. That's great. So the idea is that motivation comes and goes. Motivation is a feeling and every feeling is fluctuating. We don't feel exactly the same way all the time. So if we want to make real change in our life, if we want to build a routine that is empowering, that empower our goals, we need to have a foundation that is not motivation. Now, motivation is important and there are tools to increase your motivation, but you cannot rely on motivation. You need to rely on commitment. Commitment doesn't ask, how do you feel today about this? Commitment is I've decided to do it. I'm doing it. Like how I feel about it right now is irrelevant. I've made a commitment. So never zero is a type of commitment where you get something that is small, but you make it uncompromising. So the commitment could be on the next 30 days, I'm going to have zero sugar. It could be until the end of this year, I'm going to write one hour every morning before anything else. It could be I'm going to meditate five minutes every day for the next three months. The idea is that you get something small so that it's doable, but you make it non-negotiable. That is the power of it because when the commitment is 100%, it's actually easier than if it's 99%. Because if it's 99% every day, there'll be a voice in you asking if that day is that 1%. Good reason for you to not do it and to skip because you were tired or you woke up late or whatever. When it's 100%, it's done. It is going to be done no matter what. So whether there's a new pandemic, a third world war, a death in the family, whether you lose motivation, whether you're doubting yourself, when you go through a never zero sprint like this, then at the end of this, you will have so much more willpower and you have a sense of, of confidence and efficacy that you can do things. I love the combination of something very small concrete, something that is uncompromising where there's just no way out. You've made a commitment so that you do it at a certain time or a certain number of frequency per day or per week. That is for a given period of time so that people don't feel like they're making a forever change. It's just for a week, a month, three months, whatever it is that they agree to. You've now made a contract with yourself. I love that about the never zero commitment. How did you come up with the name? I don't actually remember at this point. There's the saying in the world of building habits, never miss twice. But I think never miss twice is like a backup. The real thing is never zero. Never miss. Get something that is so small that you don't need to miss. So what is an aspiration you have set in your business that is in support of a goal you've set to be successful? The aspiration is that self-discipline becomes much more practical 
and achievable and well-known by people. That is the aspiration. That is what I'm trying to do. One of the goals that is going to support that is I want a million people to have this book. That is one long-term goal I have in my And business. what's your strategy for achieving that at this point in aspiration? At this point, I am doing live classes on self-discipline on Insight Timer and they are free. So every week I'm teaching this concept and new people are getting to know of it. And some people are so excited about it. They go and buy four copies of the books and they give to their friends. So that is one way that I'm doing this. I'm also going to begin writing my, my third book this year. And there's the saying in the book business that the best way to market a book is to write your next book. Wait, is this your experience as well? Yes, I've seen that as well. For myself, I'm always writing. People write for different reasons. I like to write just to clarify my own thinking on things. And when I've written an article or a worksheet or a workbook, that helps me because now I know how to be helpful to people. And I can get things out in shorter pieces that way. I've written four books. I have two also that are 90% written, but not yet released. I think that what I'll do is I'll probably release those and start work on another one or two. But it's always the, the writing. And for me, it's writing and video to be able to express it and then share it with the world. It's getting it out, which is the big step for me, because it's not going to help anyone mm. if it never leaves my computer. Yeah. So at what point did you make the transition from your work as a lawyer and as a programmer to teaching meditation? What was that transition like? Because that's a big step. It's a very different arena. There are new skills that you had to adopt. Mm. Oh, take me through that. What was it like? In my family, nobody's an entrepreneur. All of them work for the government. So it's a family of civil servants in a way. And so that was the, the natural path that I was conditioned to in that family and in that environment. So I chose law. In Brazil, it's very tough to get a good job. And with law, you can. So I was working for the government in the labor court. Now, I stopped that because basically I decided to move from Brazil to Australia. What year was and this? That was in the end of 2011. I could spend two years doing kind of a mini diploma here in Australia so that I could continue practicing law here. But uh, I was not that passionate about law. I was more passionate about programming. And I have no background in programming and math. I've, I've not been to college for it. So I was just studying through books. A lot of times there was self-doubt coming up, like these concepts are hard. Like, I don't understand what they mean. How will I be able to compete in Australia with people who have a visa to work there or they are locals, they have local experience and they have gone to university for four years for programming. So all of these things were coming up, but I persevered and eventually it worked. So I worked in, in that industry for five years here in Australia, but at the same time, little by little, I felt like, you know what? That's not my purpose in life. For most of that time, I was working for a TV company and I was making an app that allows them to control their TV and see their movies in their phone, etc. I felt, you know what? I was not born to help people watch more TV. Like, that's not what I'm about. So little by little, that thing grew in me. Here in Australia, I got exposed a lot to the idea of entrepreneurship, of quitting the nine to five and living your dream and, and doing your own thing. So I started that alongside my job in the last two years. Eventually, I got to a point where I felt like, okay, now it's time to quit. That's when I embraced this life full on. Well, everyone I know who's made that decision, leaving a full-time job and going into self-employment knows and can relate to the courage that takes. So what was it like for you to say, okay, now I've made this commitment, then you had to change how you were spending your days. What was helpful to you in being able to reorient to the way that you spent your days so that you could market and bring in more students and make more sales to support you to do the work that really fulfilled you. When I was doing both things at the same time, I was working 40 hours a week and doing 15 hours a week in my own side business. When I quit work, it was almost like, okay, now this 55 hours are all for the new business. So it was like that for a while. Then 
nowadays I'm working less, but in the beginning was very intense. And I have self-discipline. I build routines and habits easily. That wasn't a problem, how to organize my time. Many times entrepreneurs, when they start out, are fully committed to doing it, but they don't know necessarily what are the right ways to market in order to build a significant business. What was a milestone for you that let mm -hmm. you know that you were on the right path and you'd achieved a certain level of success that was going to be significant. You knew that it was going to be sustainable at that point. It probably took three years to get to that point. So I, I think it's worth sharing this because if you're getting into this journey for the first time or, or full on for the first time, then know that it may take some time. For me, it took two, two and a half to three years. So I got to the point where I was earning the same that I was earning as a team lead in my position. But then after that, it, it just skyrocketed. But those first three years were a, a real struggle because you are trying different things and, and nothing is working as well as you thought it should. That's the thing about being an entrepreneur that we are all, we are always up optimistic. We fail, but then we go and have another hope for something else. And we try that and it doesn't work quite as well, but we have learned something along the way. And if you go on and if you stay on path and if you learn. So for me, always learning. Like I have more than 30 books on marketing and I paid for online courses and coaches and mentors. So I'm always studying and learning. I would say probably nine out of 10 things that I tried in my business in any given month or year fail. But in business, if you have some success here and there, and this is enough, it's enough one success because then you build on top of that. But yeah, many channels that I tried for marketing, they didn't work. Eventually you find what works. So Giovanni, are you ready for something that I know works for the listeners of this podcast? Are you ready for the My Quest for the Best lightning round? Okay, let's do it. So earlier I asked you about someone who inspired you growing up and you talked about encountering Buddha through a book. When you were growing up, Giovanni, what was the song that you loved as a teenager? I still haven't found what I'm looking for by you two. I'm a terrible singer. Please don't make me sing. <laughs> but I think that the very title of the song speaks of a deeper urge or quest that I had. That longing. Now as a meditation teacher who works online and can serve students all over the world, what's been the most effective way that you get the word out about your mission each week? So in my experience, social media has been useless for me. You know, everyone says, you need to be on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. But the reality is that organic reach in these different places is each time like smaller and smaller. I personally am not a social media guy. I hate social media. I do not use social media. I have social media accounts, but I'm not there. It's just automatic. I did try social media and that was not great for me. It didn't have the results that I wanted. For me, what has really worked is first a Google SEO. So writing articles that rank well on Google because they end up being the best. My goal whenever writing an article is, can I write something that's going to be better than the first 10 results in Google. If I can write that, then I will. An article like that has a good chance of ranking because people who read it will share it, they will save it, they will link to it. So Google SEO was probably the biggest thing for me. After that, this app called Insight Timer, there are like 2 million meditators there and we as teachers have the ability to um, create courses and to run live classes. So probably these two things have been what has worked the best for me. What are one or two parts of your morning routine in addition to the meditation that I'm sure that you practice? Cold shower. I start my day with a cold shower every morning. I've been doing this for about six years. And the other thing would be exercise. So I do 10 minutes of yoga and 10 minutes of martial arts every morning. What would you say is the best advice you ever received? This is a tough question, Bill. I received so many good advice. But something that comes to mind now when it comes to business, perhaps one of the best business advice that I've ever received is find your uniqueness and explore it in the service of others. For me, that speaks about being true to who you are, being authentic, being unique. 
in what you give and serving the purpose of serving and helping other people and all of the personal benefits that you can imagine come from that if you do it in the right way. What would you say is your definition of personal success? I know I'm being successful when success is achieving your goal, whatever that is. If your goal is to make $10 million, then you're successful when you do it. If your goal is to reach a million people with a life-changing message, then you are successful when you do it. In my work, I feel successful when I receive a feedback, either in a, in a live class or in an email or whatever. Wow, this is life-changing. I've never seen things like this before. This insight is transformation. When I hear something like that and it comes in different words, I feel successful. What would you say is the most important habit, routine, or belief that you've eliminated from your life in the last six months that's brought you the most pleasure or personal satisfaction? I think the idea that I have to do it all on my own. It was always hard for me to delegate to, because I'm a bit of a perfectionist uh, and I have a very particular idea about how things should be. This idea or mindset or belief that I have to do everything on my own and letting go of this has helped me to spend more time on the things that I actually have to do on my own, such as researching, writing and teaching and uh, getting help of other people with the different elements of business. In your book, okay. Dedication, Giovanni, you acknowledge the help and support of your wife, your students, your teacher, including your spiritual teacher, whose name you don't mention, but whose encouragement meant so much to you for staying on path. Then you also thank, quote, all my haters, doubters, and critics for reminding me to be a light unto myself and what I believe. What did you gain by thanking your haters, doubters, and critics, especially in a book about mindful self-discipline? It had to serve some purpose. The purpose it serves for other people is knowing that if you are on path, if you have a mission, if you have an aspiration, then anything that happens in your life, good or bad, can be a fuel for that. And that you don't need to stop or pay too much attention to those people who are trying to stop you. Use that as a fuel. Because ultimately, being true to yourself is worth more than any validation or friendship even of other people because no one would really be a true friend if they didn't value what you found to be true in yourself. Would you agree with that? I absolutely agree because at the end of the day, this is the only thing that will make you happy, make you feel fulfilled. It's also the way that you can serve and create good in the world more than anything else is by being true to yourself. There's only one you and imitating someone else is not going to give much benefit to yourself. I wholeheartedly agree and I wholeheartedly thank you for sharing your tips and insights with me today on my quest for the best. You reminded us about how we could be inspired by a book as you were at a young age. You talked about the difference between self-discipline and mindful self-discipline and gave us the distinction that self-discipline is really about respect. You remind us about the importance of living in harmony with our highest goals and aims and activities that bring us the most satisfaction and taught us that mindful self-discipline combines both awareness and willpower. You talked about the example of Adam who was addicted to YouTube and just had to rely on that when he was addicted to it until he started meditating, then he was able to change his relationship with something that he had spent hours and hours a day involved in. No longer became such, such a pull because an internal shift took place. You reminded us about how important templates are for reducing the cognitive load and the decision fatigue that we experience without them. And about what happens when we can free ourselves from distractions and just work on what brings us the most satisfaction and allows us to express what's most important in our lives. So for these reasons and so many more, I want to thank you again for joining me on my quest for the best. Absolutely. Should we say goodbye for now. Tell me, where is it we can find out more about you and your work online? Sure. So people can go to mindfulselfdiscipline.com. 
where they can check the book and the app. Giovanni, we're going to link to mindfulselfdiscipline.com. We'll link to your social media, but really we'll emphasize more links to where people can find out more, can take the free course that you offer, free video course that you offer, as well as places to find the book online. So Giovanni Deitzman, author of Mindful Self-Discipline, Living with Purpose and Achieving Your Work goals in a world of distractions, I want to thank you once again for joining me on My Quest for the Best. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on My Quest for the Best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on my quest for the best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.